good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Anybody else's eyes itching and your nose burning? Okay, you got that too. I took a little pill or two. So I'm going to be trying to stay awake during the sermon just like you. So. <laughs> Let's talk about 15 minutes that will change your life. Isn't that some kind of a statement? 15 minutes that will change your life. You hear that statement a lot these days. Oh, it was life-changing. Well, this seriously is. I'm talking about something that in 15 minutes can change your life. But first, I got some questions for you. Take a look at these next few passages and see what they have in common. The first one, of course, you've got to start with one, but you can't find out what they got in common to you. The second one, but here's the first one. How he, David, that is, entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread which was not lawful for him to eat, not for those with him, but for the priests alone. That's Matthew 12, 4. What does that have in common with? In the law, that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent. Just next verse. What do those two verses have in common? You probably have some ideas, but hold on. There's more. He who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to one wife, and they too shall become one flesh. That's from Matthew 19. A a fourth one. Can't count. Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself. What do these four passages have in common? But there's one more. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This, became, this came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. I lie, there's not one more, except now there's one more. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. Any idea what all those passages have in common? You probably have some idea rolling around in your head, and it might be right, but it's not the one I'm thinking of probably because I'm weird. But here's what I see that they all have in common. Each of the above passages follows Jesus asking the question, Have you not read? And one of the things you'd notice about each one of those is he's talking about something that either took place or he's quoting Old Testament scripture, took place in the Old Testament times or or was quote from the Old Testament. All those passages are off of the question, Have you not read? Does that question have an implication? I think it does. What's the implication? Well, you don't know. You can't read my mind, can you? But it has the implication, I think. You guys should know this stuff. You should have read that. Have you not read that? Do you not understand it? Well, you're going to hate me. But I'm going to give you a quick quiz on the Bible. I don't see a race to get to the back door. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, You don't have to write anything down. You don't have to raise any hands. I'll just ask the questions. And you do your own personal assessment of how much of this you know. By the way, this is the same test. It's going to be on Judgment Day on the pearly gates right there. Peter's going to have, he's going to hand out papers, fill in the blanks. Here we go. Do you know the books of the Bible? That's pretty simple, straightforward. Do you know the books of the Bible? In order. If I said, can you find 2nd Hezekiah, would you know where to go? It's right before 1st Hezekiah, Marty, or right after 1st Hezekiah. Come on, get your numbers in order. Can you name the apostles? 
If you can't name them, can you at least find a place in Scripture where their names are to be found? Can you identify three parables, either Old Testament or New Testament? Jesus taught a lot of parables, but he's not the only one who taught parables. There were other parables in the Bible. Can you name three parables? Can you think of three specific ones? How about the tribes of Israel? Yes, see, there were the uh, Arapahoites and the, uh, the Osageites. No, no, no. Come on now. That, this is Oklahoma. This is the tribes of Israel we're talking about. How many can you name? How many of the kings of either Israel or Judah? You know there were kings of Judah and kings of Israel. Can you name any of those kings? And, man, it's hard to keep them lined up. Which ones were the evil ones and which ones were the good ones? Locate three examples of conversion. Oh, now, see, this is getting practical. If you're trying to teach a loved one about salvation, you need to have an example of conversion handy that you can go to. Can you find three in the, in the Bible? How about three of the judges of Israel? I want to give you a clue. The very first one sounds like oatmeal. His name is Othniel. And I can remember Othniel because oatmeal sounds like the first thing you eat in the morning. And so Othniel and oatmeal come together. He said, I, I know, there's a method to the madness. But that's one judge. How many others can you name? Can you find the Sermon on the Mount? And you're probably going, duh, Marty, it's on the Mount. <laughs> Where would you look for in the Bible to find the Sermon on the Mount? How about the Lord's Prayer? Now, you see that. You might ask me, which Lord's Prayer, Marty? Are you talking about the one he prayed to his father in the garden or the one he prayed to his father about unity, among other things? Or are you talking about the one that he taught his disciples how to pray from? How about the famous chapter on love? The whole Bible is about love, but there is a specific chapter that we hear, especially at weddings. Oh, I gave that one away, didn't I? Any passage on the Lord's Supper? Could be from the Gospels, could be from the letters. Three women of the Bible. And if you think of women, are you thinking of women from the Old Testament or New Testament? Can you name three women from the Bible? How about any passage about the Judgment Day? How about a passage you want your children to know? You want to impart things to your children that are important. There's nothing more important than the Bible. What passage of scripture, what truth from the Bible would you want to impart to your children? Well, there it is. There's a quick quiz. Hope it wasn't too painful. There are some things that we have these days to help us to be students of the word of God that people have not always had, but we have them now. We've got time. I know we're busy people, but we still have time. We always have a way to make time for the things we want to do. Comfortable places to study. We've got air conditioning. We've got heat. We've got padded chairs. We've got all kinds of cool stuff. We have the means to write. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it's only been recently that writing material is abundant and cheap and easy to come by. It didn't used to be that way. It hasn't always been that way, but now... You want to write something down, there's scratch paper everywhere and there's pens everywhere. It didn't used to be that way, but it is now. How about concordances? Do you know what a concordance is? That's a big book that has all the passages in the Bible uh, outlined by whatever word there is. And if you're looking up the word love, you can look, go to a concordance, look up love, and it'll tell you every place in the Bible where the word love accord, uh, occurs. That's, that's what a concordance is. You can find them online, online concordances for for King James Version, of course, that's the way it started, but International, the uh, English Standard Version, there are online concordances for almost every translation you'd want to use. Commentaries. I don't use commentaries much. I like what Marshall Keeble said. He said that Bible is its own best commentary. He also said uh, 
Bible shines a lot of light on some of them commentaries. <clears throat> now that first quote, that might not have been Marshall Keeble. I'm thinking about that now. But it sounds like something he'd have said, so I'll just go with that. But a commentary is just a book that somebody's written about uh, different parts of the Bible, and you can get some information from that. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I always advise people to go to the commentaries only after you've exhausted your own study. Do your own study first and then go to the commentaries. But you've got commentaries. They can help. Study guides. You know what a study guide is, like a worksheet. Also have translations. If you don't like the King James because the language sounds old, archaic, well, use the English Standard Version or the New American Standard Version or the Revised Standard. There's all kinds of translations available we can use to study. We've got Bible apps. Anybody have a Bible app on your phone? I've got the Blue Letter Bible on my phone. It's got a lot of cool things uh, that you can use to study. Websites. You ever heard of any congregation that has a website for Bible study? That was, that was a joke. I'm just. But ours is not the only one. Bible talk is doing great. There's a lot of interest in the world in studying the Word of God. And Bible talk is doing great. But there are other websites as well. We just have all kinds of opportunities to study. We've got maps available to us today that people didn't always have. And you can find those online too if you don't want to look in a book. We've got videos. Uh, duh. <laughs> people teaching the Bible, talking about Bible things, showing us Bible places. We have photos. You want to see what Jerusalem looks like? You can find a picture of it online. Find a picture of it in a book. All kinds of things you can find pictures of. Podcasts. Anybody listen to podcasts? There's all kinds of Bible podcasts. So there are some things that help us study. How would committing to 15 minutes of Bible study a day change your life? That was what I started with, wasn't it? 15 minutes, it'll change your life. Think about it. If you just decided today, you know what, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, I'm going to start studying the Bible 15 minutes out of every day. How would that change your life? What would that do for you? How much could you learn if you focused 15 minutes of your day on studying the Word of God? Why study the Bible? Well, there's a plethora of reasons but here's the first one I'm talking about today. No other book has been so influential in the world. No other book. A lot of books in the world. Have you noticed that? Solomon said of the making of books, there is no end. But no book has been as influential in the world as the Bible. No book. No other book played a greater role in the foundation of our nation. <clears throat> and our nation is significant. I know there are people who are downplaying that. But you look back at the history, the last couple hundred years, the United States of America has played a huge role in godly things going on. I know there's been mistakes, but no person is perfect and certainly no country is perfect. But the influence that the United States of America has had in the world for good is all based on the fact that we started as a, as a, as a group of people who wanted to do essentially things that the Bible taught us to do, to have that kind of an order. So there's that. Excuse me. <clears throat> Next, no other book can lead you beyond this life while helping you live the best life possible right now. You want to live well right now? The Bible's your guide. You want to have eternal life? Bible's your guide. And this one, I almost put duh, 
It's the word of God. <laughs> Why wouldn't a human being want to know what God says about anything, about everything? It is the word of God. 15 minutes, how'd that get in there? What's that 15 minutes about? Well, maybe, maybe you can think of it. God's urging us to teach. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and these are passages I hope you're all familiar with. Under Deuteronomy chapter 6, <clears throat> by the way, if God is urging us to teach, what's the implication? You need to learn this so you can teach it to somebody else. That's the whole point. Thank you, brother. No, no, thank you. Appreciate it. Better smell that. Just make sure it didn't have anything good in it. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 6. I don't know if I'm going to get cleared. <clears throat> Pardon me. I apologize. Moses wrote this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I think that's pretty clear. The idea that Moses has in mind here, things he wants us to do to teach the word of God. Nehemiah chapter 8. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, what Nehemiah is all about. Nehemiah was sent back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They had already rebuilt the temple and now Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls. And so chapter 8 says this. All the people gathered at one, as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate. Uh, that's not the water gate of our uh, American history of, of recent years. I say recent because I'm old. How many of you even know what the water gate situation was? A few hands go up. It's all old people. But anyway, <clears throat> look up water gate later. You'll see. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Madaniah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseiah. By the way, if you ever worry about pronouncing anything in the Old Testament especially properly, please don't worry about it. If you go over there and you talk to Hebrew people, you'll find out that you weren't getting it right no matter what you said. They have a way of speaking that is uh, it's hard to describe with letters in English. It's all good. It's right. It's just, uh, it's not what I would have thought it would have been. So those are the guys, all those guys right there. And, and that tells you right there that this record is historical. And those who would have read this at first knew, oh, those are the big wigs. Those, this is a big deal going on, Ezra reading the Bible. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, what happened? All the people stood up. 
Imagine that reverence for the word of God. Now think about it. These are people who've been exiled for the last 70 years, and now they have returned. And they're reading the word of God in Jerusalem, and they're standing up to hear it. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and when they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Well, let's move on to Matthew chapter 28. Maybe you can quote this on your own. What did Jesus say? He said, All authority is given me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them the things that I have taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always. When? How long? To the end of the age. So go and teach, he's saying. The only way we can do that is if we first learn. Ephesians chapter 6, addressing fathers. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So many things we want to teach our children, but Paul writes through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Fathers, teach your children the Lord's instruction. 2 Timothy 2.15. This used to be just standard fare. 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, Study to show thyself approved of workmen unto God that needest not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I got these uh, interposed. I should have done 2-2 first, but they're not too far apart, as you know. If you go back to 2 Timothy 2-2, two, two, it says, The things which you've learned from me or heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul's saying, I taught you, Timothy. You teach others. Teach them so that they can teach other men. This is the self-perpetuating nature of the Lord's church. We plant the word of God, which is the seed of God, and the kingdom continues to grow. That's what our responsibility is as the Lord's church. And the only way we can teach it and spread it is to learn it ourselves first. Hebrews chapter 5, a very interesting uh, statement here. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. Concerning him, Melchizedek he's talking about, we have much to say. But it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. Now imagine a preacher getting up before a congregation and saying that. I got some things I want to talk to you about, but you guys are just dumb. You won't get it. So I'm going to talk about something else. (laughs) That's what he's saying, essentially writing this. He says, for though by the time you ought to be teachers, you have need again that somebody teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have uh, need of milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. By our study of the word, our senses should be trained to discern good and evil. The more we study, the more mature we will go. That's what this passage is teaching us. And the more we study, the more mature we get, the more of God's word we'll be able to handle. And the more godly our lives will reflect his, in a a godly fashion, our lives will reflect his glory. Well, there's just a handful there are several others. One that comes to mind I, I didn't have in this list. James says, draw near to God and what will happen? He will draw near to you. Do you want God to draw near to you? I, I can't imagine a better way. Prayer might be a close second or might even be equal with it. But reading God's word, studying his word to find out what he wants to teach us. There's so many passages, but these are just a handful. How much of God's word do you want to know? There's a question. Are you motivated to learn it? How much do you want to know? You want to know all of it? 
I'm not asking for any amens. I'm just asking for you to think among yourselves, think in your own mind. How much do you really want to know of the Word of God? You want to know everything He says? You might say, well, Marty, that's kind of, I don't know if I can learn all of it. How about as much as, as I can learn in the time I've got left? I am now 67. How much time do I have left? When I was a much younger man, I figured up, I, got, I sat down and said, how many hunting seasons do I have left? And I figured it based on 70. And now I'm 67. Man, I hope my hunting's not over in three years. <laughs> I might not make it to tonight. But how much do I want to learn in the time I've got left? If you're young, wow, if you're young, you've got so many years to learn and to grow and to become a scholar of God's Word. I'm serious, a scholar of the Word of God. It's not beyond you. It's not that hard. You want to lead, uh, learn enough to lead somebody to Jesus? Now, there's a worthy cause. I want to learn enough Bible so I can talk to people about the Lord in such a way that I can persuade them that He's the Son of God and that they need to obey Him, put Him on in baptism. That's a great motivation right there. Enough to avoid losing my soul. Well, that's maybe not quite as glorious, but it's still important, isn't it? Important to save your soul by your knowledge of the Word of God? Uh, yeah, everybody ought to want that as a very basic desire. How about this one? Enough to trip up the teacher in Bible class. Well, now, there's some fun. We're talking about, it's getting a little on the ridiculous side there, but, uh, but how much Bible do you want to know? None, really. That's why we have preachers. Now, I just threw that in there because I think it seems to me some people have that attitude. Oh, I don't need to study that Bible. i got a preacher. I'll just go see what the preacher has to say. A lot of people in life seem to have that philosophy. I'm not going to ask the Bible. I'm going to ask my preacher. I hope you've got a preacher you can trust, but I hope you don't trust your preacher more than the Word of God. Why do you want to learn? How much do you want to learn? How can you study? If you were going to study, how would you do it? Well, get a Bible you enjoy reading. Don't get one that's, that's cumbersome, hard to handle, one that you strain to look at because the words are so small or you can't understand the language. Get a Bible you enjoy reading. Be willing to invest some money. If you need to go to Mardell's and just look through their Bibles until you find one that feels good in your hand and it ple- it's pleasant to look at, it's got some nice wide margins, find a Bible that you enjoy reading and using. Spend some money if you need to. Get pen and paper handy. If you like pencils, get pencils, but also get a quality set of colored markers and trans, a transparent six-inch ruler. These ladies that do Bible marking, why do you think they do Bible marking? Because they're just girls and they like pretty colors in their Bible. No, they're marking their Bibles because this is a, a way of study that helps them relate to things. And now they know when they open a page and see a particular color, they have an idea what that passage is about. And it, it's, it helps with your retention, your memory, and your... Um, coordinating passages together in your mind. Make notes in the margins with a good quality fine point pen. Don't get some junky old pen that you just picked up out of the pew somewhere. That's theft. Get your <laughs> They're not junky old pens. I'm just trying to make a point here. Go, go find a good quality pen. One that writes nicely. I like pilot pens. Pilot pens seem to have good ink that flows easily. You don't have to scratch several times. Okay, now it's starting to write. Now I can write my word. No, get you a good quality pen, but fine point so that you can write smaller in the margins of your Bible. Secure a good concordance. We talked about those earlier. If you don't want to buy one, a physical hard copy, just use the ones online. But a good concordance is invaluable when you're trying to find different passages that you might think of. Pick up, uh, pick a Bible book or a topic that you have some interest in and dedicate yourself to studying that book or that topic. 
Commit some time. You've got to commit time. You can't succeed without committing time. Find a quiet place without distractions. I know that might be one of the biggest challenges in this, but you can do it if you want to. Even if you have to get in your car and drive off somewhere. Get in your car, drive off, study sitting in your car. All right. Fifteen minutes. How'd that get there? If studying a book or a letter of the Bible, here's what you do. Read several chapters, if not all, for familiarity. Like Romans. Been studying Romans on Sunday morning. Read the whole book. If you're not sure, wow, I think I missed some of it, read it again. It's not that long. My goodness, it's, it's really, uh, all these Bible books are really pretty short when you think about it by comparison. Note as you read it, recurring words, phrases, or concepts. Write those down. Note the time and the place references and research them as needed. Talk about going up to Jerusalem, but where did they go up to Jerusalem from? How far is Bethany from Jerusalem? Because Bethany is where... Uh, Let's see, who were those people that Jesus was friends with? Mary, Martha, Lazarus. That's, uh, you can find out things like that. Capernaum, where Jesus kind of had his headquarters, was about 80 miles from Jerusalem. You don't think about that too much until you, you figure they walked everywhere they went. That's a pretty significant distance. Keep a list of places mentioned so you can have a, an idea and pay attention to it as you're reading through. Keep a list of individuals mentioned. All these things, you're just gathering up little bits and pieces of information that are going to help you put the whole thing together later. It's kind of like when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle. What's the first thing you do when you get a jigsaw puzzle? Some people throw it away. I'm not talking about you, you weirdos. You put all the pieces out with the colored side up. It's easier to work it that way. And then what do you look for? Oh, that's got a straight side. That's going to be an edge. We'll pull that one out. If you don't do it like that, I don't know what's wrong with you. But that's how you do a jigsaw puzzle. And then you put all those pieces together, and before you know it, you've got the big picture. Well, it might not be before you know it. You might know it. But, but that's how you do it, isn't it? Piece by piece, one at a time. And it's studying the Bible is the same way. We're not, we want everything fast. It's not fast. It's work, but it's well worth the work. Note anything that piques your interest as you're reading through. I forgot to talk about that one. And then when you, when you get through, get to a certain point where you think you can, write down the author's purpose or point in your own words. Oh, 15 minutes. Where did that come from? How to study a Bible topic. Look up references in your concordance if possible. Let's say, what do you want to study? You want to study, oh, I said love a while ago, didn't I? How about forgiveness or forgive? Just go to your concordance, look up the word forgive, forgiveness, forgiving. Look up all the passages that talk about forgiving or forgiveness. See what they have to say. Research references, making comparisons and observations. Use cross-references. If your Bible provides cross-references, you know what that is. You read a Bible passage that talks about forgiveness, and it'll say, see this passage on that. Well, go see it. See what it has to do with that. Especially any time you're in the New Testament and you see a quotation from an Old Testament text, go back and read that Old Testament text in its context so you can know what the writer's talking about. Really helpful. State conclusions about your observations in your own words. What do you think this means? Lunch. It's time, isn't it? That's not why that's in there, though. <laughs> what, what if you started a new job and your boss said, all right, I'm glad to have you working for us. Every day you're going to have 15 minutes for lunch. What would you say? You say, man, I can't eat lunch in 15 minutes. That's not even good for you. 
15 minutes is just not enough time to eat lunch. How about watching TV? Who watches 15 minutes of TV a day? That's really about all that's on there worth that time. 15, no, you don't watch TV 15 minutes at a time. You'll watch half-hour program or an hour program, or you'll sit there and vegetate for three hours on the couch with a bag of empty chips. That's what we do. We watch TV for long periods of time. How about scrolling on Facebook? You know how it is. You get on there. I'm just going to take a quick look and see what's on there. And three hours later, you're, oh, that's a cute picture. Oh, look what they had for breakfast. It's, that's what happens on Facebook. We give a lot of time to that. How about playing solitaire on your phone or just staring at your phone? That's, I've got pictures. When we went to Israel last year, I just started taking pictures of people on the streets of Jerusalem staring at their phone. It's, it's crazy, but we do that. Watching a football game. Who goes to a football game for 15 minutes? If you do, make it the last 15 minutes. But nobody does that. You don't do that for 15 minutes. Sitting on the porch drinking coffee. You know how long can you nurse a cup of coffee? I don't know, but 15 minutes doesn't sound like very long. How about learning from the one and only absolutely unique, soul-saving, heart-helping, peace-giving, confidence-building word of Almighty God? 15 minutes too much? not nearly enough for lunch. It's not nearly enough for watching TV. It's not nearly enough for looking at your phone or scrolling through Facebook or all those other things we talked about. But I'll tell you what. You commit 15 minutes a day to studying the Bible, studying something specific you want to study, you want to learn about. In a month's time, you'll be somewhat of a scholar on that topic. I guarantee it. 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day. And you'll enjoy it. You'll think it's fun. You'll look forward to it. Anyway, that's the lesson for this morning. I, I hope. How long? Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Uh, this sermon has lasted a little bit longer than that. But just think, I don't have to study as long as Marty preaches. You can, but you don't have to. Anyway, that's the lesson for this morning. The whole point of this is uh, I'm, I'm wanting you to learn the Word of God because it's good for you. And if you know enough of the word of God to obey the gospel this morning, it's, it's really simple. You put your faith in Jesus Christ as the son of God. You, you confess your faith in him. You, for, you repent of your sin and your lack of faith in him. You confess his name and let somebody bury you in water. And you'll rise up out of that water to have what kind of a life? A new life. How do you know that? Because you studied it. You read it. It's in the book. If you want to do that this morning or if you need prayers of this congregation, we're going to stand and invite you to respond while we stand. Let's stand and, and sing this hymn of invitation. <laughs>